Welcome to the Elijah Streams podcast. Our mission is to encourage you in your faith through a unique blend of patriotism and prophecy. And now here's your host, Steve Schultz. Well, I should be saying happy Friday because you'll be seeing this on Friday, but it is Wednesday, November 30 at 11:10 a.m. on the Pacific Northwest Coast, state of Oregon, the great state of Oregon. Welcome to the broadcast. We got a really special guest today with 107. This is the second time we've had him on. And uh, we've got some really, really interesting things to talk about that are happening uh, and potentially happening. So I'm, gonna, I'm not I'm going to forego any other uh, announcements or formality. So without further delay, let's bring in Prophets and Patriots. Here we go. Well, welcome, Juan O'Savin, or I should say welcome to your boots. We always get to see your boots, which I, I think is a, I think is a kick in the pants, you know. But um, you have kept, you know, we had SGNon who we just showed uh uh, you know, the, his just letters. We have Mel Kay, which isn't her full name. We we see your boots, and you, and one oh seven isn't. People probably have figured out that's not really your name, but it's uh it's your handle. So why why do you uh, feel to to keep yourself more hidden? Because you've been all over the Patriot channels. We know that you're not exactly hidden, but we don't see your face. Well, I mean, it goes back to the work that I did for a lot of years, and so I've. Uh, <clears throat> still dance in and out of that and try to uh, keep a lower profile. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the super short version is one of the guys that helped take down the uh, Russian economy through the ruble wow. and uh, did other stuff over the years. So, um, you know, it's been a long time now. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Wow. So uh, you've got tell talk for a minute about that. You've got that, um, uh display your your fiance i think it is drew that picture of trump fighting a bull just just a super (laughs) short version of trump taking on the bull talk about that well you know uh the deep state you know we we deep state bull in fact on the uh on the artwork you know she does these canvases and they're out there but on the on the edge of it here let me see it there it is she has DS deep state brand. And uh, this is El Megador, Trump as the Matador Megador, <clears throat> you know, taking down the deep state. If you've looked at uh, Bale Ball, uh, yeah. uh, he was depicted as a bull. And of course, yeah. the Israel nation started out its venture to go to freedom, worshiping a golden calf. Well, what's the calf mm-hmm. become a bull? And uh, right. so we have this. Uh, this bail system that has captured America, just like it captured Israel of old. Um, You know, when Elijah had to come up against the prophets of Baal, uh, you know, those prophets of Baal were sacrificing children, uh, taking sacrifices from the people and sacrificing children to Baal. And he was depicted as this, um, uh, you know, metal beast a bull with horns and it had compartments that opened up for different parts of the body. And they would put these living children into the arms of Baal. And then it would close up and drop the children in this, into this beast, mm. a horrid system. And, and you have to think about that. It's in, within a church setting, you know, we come to Sunday service. We don't want to hear this kind of horrors. And mm. it's really a horror story Yeah, yet. Um, we shouldn't be so thin that we, on a personal level, do not understand what has happened 
classically to nations, even uh, Israel, this nation dedicated to God Almighty, um, where they got so mystified, so caught up in um, mm. this theater of worship to the beast and turned from the true God to worshiping this beast that Elijah, to get their attention, uh, first had to declare a, um, a drought on the land for several years, God himself putting this drought on the land, and then the breaking of the drought when the people were in desperate condition, uh, no crops, the food's not happening, they're starving to death, and <clears throat> they're worshiping Baal still, and the high priests of Baal are compelling them, if you want to have you know, food again, if you want to have water and all this stuff, bring your offerings to Baal. And their offerings are literally their children. Mm. And so um, God, through Elijah, his prophet, declares, let's have a challenge between the priests of Baal and God's priest, Elijah, and his uh, priests around him. And let's, let's have two altars and we'll, you know, see whose God can consume the altar with, you know, fire, with lightning and receive it. Uh, and so the priests of Baal do this big, you know, ceremony. And no doubt they had pyrotechnics hidden in the thing uh, to set it off. And it didn't go off. And, of course, why do we know or suspect they had pyrotechnics? Because they accused Elijah of having oh, pyrotechnics wow. in his. Wow. Okay. And so after they'd had all day and they weren't getting anything and Elijah's teasing him, you know, where's your God? Is he with his girlfriend, one of his wives? Is he, you know, still not up this morning, blah, blah, blah. Then Elijah um, has them just to make sure that there's no monkey business. Let's the uh, priests of Baal bring up water, which was a precious commodity, and wet down the altar multiple mm. times to prove that it wasn't, you know, didn't have secret uh, stuff in there to make it light off. Then go over to the Indian reservation and get fireworks and stick them in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and then when when Elijah calls down fire from God, it consumes the entire altar. Now you have to think about the nation, and I think this applies to what I'm about to talk about in a minute. So I want people yeah. to think about: you have, you know, a big portion of the nation of that community. They all show up on the mountaintop. And, of course, uh, principalities always like to dominate in high places. And Elijah, when he, um, <clears throat> when he declared, let's have a test to see who is the, the true God, who is the stronger God. You know, if we did it today, we might say, well, let's do it over at such and so church. Let's do it at such and so holy site or something right, like that. Right. That's not what Elijah did. He said, let's, let's go ahead and have an altar. Let's do it right there at the uh, gates of hell, if you will. Right mm. there where you priests of Baal are the strongest. Right there on top of the mountaintop. Go ahead and put two altars out there. And so right at the gates of hell where these people were literally sacrificing children mm. in order to get... Um, wealth, in order to get food, in order to get a good crop, whatever. Um, he goes to their stronghold. And then when God receives the altar, the sacrifice from uh, Elijah, 
all the people are there. Imagine being in that crowd, mm. watching this contest all day long, and think about, you know, the priests. They were cutting themselves. They're wailing and screaming. They're making a huge demonstration. Elijah's laughing at them. And they know they got secret pyrotechnics in their thing, and it's not working. They can't get this thing to light off. You know, the, the wood there, it's been a drought for three years. It is tinder dry. It doesn't take, you know, flea fart to make the thing go off. Hmm. And it won't go off. And so uh, when God does receive uh, Elijah's and it's consumed in a lightning bolt, literally a nuclear blast, um, the people were shocked out of their complacency, their, their pramming, the mesmerized aspect where they had looked to were doing all these ceremonies with all their words and cuttings, the, 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 the sound, uh, the throng people standing there while children are screaming out, even mm. parents sacrificing their children. You can't kind of just glass, glass past that. It's oh, wow. not even a story you want to talk about with your children about you scare the living daylights out of them, yet it's there in the scripture if you just kind of take a moment and pause and, and picture the spectacle. Now, when the people realized, when the trance was broken, and the people realized what they'd been part of, and, and God, you know, says, it's Elijah. That's where the true God uh, you know, resides. That's who is the true God. The people themselves rose up and in their anger, in an instant, they chased down every single priest of Baal. These are the people that walked through the streets and everybody got out of the way. These are the people that had the, held their high, head high and everybody, you know, deferred to them because they knew how to get, you know, uh, special services from the god Baal. They knew mm. how to, you know, get, you know, wealth and health and everything else. They, they gave him the best seat in the restaurant. They gave him the best food off the fruit stand. You know, uh, it was a mafia of sorts. And so when they did that, um, it, you know, they got deference. Suddenly the people turned so decisively that they killed, chased down every priest of Baal and wow. killed them right there on the hill. They were so, because think of it, in that crowd of people, there were people who, in the moment seeing who God was, what God just did, the spectacle of taking that sacrifice the way he did, that lightning bolt from heaven that couldn't be mistaken for cheap pyrotechnics off the Indian reservation stuck in the in the burn pile somewhere. It was so stunning, so shocking that they realized in an instant the trance, the tomfoolery, the magic, the con that had been placed on them, and they they flipped, mm. took those people out. Wow. Um in America today, we've been captured 
uh, through our voting and other stuff by a crew that isn't actually who represents the American people. They've wheedled their way into power. They've held power through all sorts of tomfoolery and trickery, uh, uh, foreign agents, business people coming in and taking control of America for their own interests through this supposedly elected elite class that you have to question, is it legit? Did they really get there legitimately? Or even if they got there on a legitimate vote, was it kind of bought and paid for because the people voted for them because they could get little yeah. you know, extras? They got tax favor here. They got retirement there. So they keep voting for them that's stolen from somebody else who doesn't have the same uh, political uh, poll, class, whatever. And um, uh, that's why that's the imagery here uh, yeah. with with Trump coming in to uh, kill the deep state because the Trump card in card playing is uh, the card that ends the game. The Trump card is the ace of spades. And it's also known as the matador because really? the matador comes in and kills the game. So the, the trump card is also called in the in the rule books for games, also called the matador. Wow. Uh, I've called Trump the megador, make America great again. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That really is good. <laughs> the megador. And uh, but uh, then he's coming in and the key thing and, and then we'll move on. But the key thing about the bullfight, the bullfight is broken up into three sections and each section is announced by a horn. And so a trumpet blast will come out. It opens up the first round in Spanish bullfighting. There's three rounds. First round, uh, all the matador, the picadors who would weaken the bull in the second round, uh, all of the people that participate in the spectacle come out and parade around. And then the bull is introduced to the arena. Then uh, a horn blasts again in the second round. Uh, the uh, picadors come out and they have horses that are covered in padding. In the old days, they didn't have padding on them, but they come out in padding nowadays and they will come riding on these horses and they'll pick at the shoulder and the neck of the bull. Now, this whole spectacle goes back to the second oldest story that we've ever found in the stone tablets going back to ancient, ancient history. And it's called the Tale of Gilgamesh. And, and in the Tale of Gilgamesh, the bull of heaven fell to earth and then was rampaging across the earth. And so a God King man who was a great man, King, he comes out to do battle with the bull to keep it from tearing the earth apart, tearing the cities apart, etc. He can't quite defeat the bull by himself. So an aide assistant who was not really, you know, it was, it was, you know, a challenge for different times. He just has to engage with them because he doesn't want the earth destroyed either. So they work together and this challenger friend weakens the bull about the neck and the shoulders. And then the bullfighter with the, with the bull weakened is able to finish the job and kill the bull. Now in bullfighting, that's the second section is, is weakening the bull. When the bull comes in at the very beginning in the first round, his head is high and he's prancing about the stadium. In the second round where he's weakened, his head starts to drop down lower and lower because his neck is injured. And when his head drops lower, his shoulder blades open up and widen. 
And that's the path to the heart through the top of the shoulder, the, the, the shoulder blades into the back. So, when you, so let me just interject here for a moment. When you, when I've heard you tell this several times now, and it, since I'm not, I, I have tended to be an animal lover. I don't like the, the imagery. And yet you are comparing this to the deep state. The deep state is the bull coming out with its head held high. Um, and that's, I don't want people to miss this. This is about weakening, weakening the deep well, state. It's even beyond that. It is the bail bull yeah. system that has yeah. captured governments around the world. And I would contend even America uh, related to stuff that I relate in that first meeting with you with the symbology in Washington, D.C. Right. with the Washington Monument, things like that. And we right. don't want to, you know, I, I and by the way, I appreciate Steve. I don't want to waltz past it for those that heard that presentation before. Again, this is grotesque subject matter yeah, to any any um, believer who we want to concentrate on the beautiful things, right. on the high things, the, the, the things that uh, give pleasure to God himself as Christians. Mm -hmm. Yet we're in a world where we're in a battle. This is an epic battle, life and death eternity in heaven or eternity in some hellacious place that's beyond even comprehension to most any person. I would say to every person, you, you can't comprehend how horrible hell is. Mm. I remember one gal that had a near-death experience and she said, hell is so bad, you wouldn't wish it on your worst enemy, the most mm. evil, horrid person you can imagine. Because hell was created for Satan and his demons. It wasn't made for man. You don't want to go there. It's so horrible. And so when we talk about these things, we have to realize, you know, Christ himself, he spoke more about avoiding hell and what hell was than he did about heaven four to one. Yeah. So sometimes yeah, we get we get lost in this where the idea is somehow, um, you know, we, we just want to be high minded and, and think of beautiful things. And that's all we want to think about. But maybe that's not appropriate in such a desperate moment. You know, when Elijah. Well, yeah. I mean, what you're again, you're drawing right now is a time we have to think about the horrid things that are going on is kind of what you're saying, right? We've got to open our eyes and see the horrible Baal worshiping children, sacrificing things that are literally going on. And I didn't want to throw you off that path, but I just want to make sure people are, are holding on to that. Yes. And, 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 you know, you think of our nation um, and I compare it even with the Elijah story, Elijah story, you know, Elijah, confronted this Baal system. He went to their place of worship where they were mm. receiving children to be sacrificed Jeez. on their high hill. Mm. He went to the gate of the church of Satan, Lucifer, the devil, and then builds an altar to God almighty. So in the second part, the picadors weaken the bull, the bull's head goes from being high to lower and lower and lower as its head goes lower. The, the, uh, shoulder blades widen out. But the bull is also actually more dangerous when its head's lower than it is up higher. Oh, really? The matador is, is 
teasing and taunting the bull. The matador will even get down on his hands and knees practically to beg the bull to charge him again because bulls are not marathon runners. They only have so many charges in them and then they're just exhausted. And so what happens is as the bull's head gets lower and lower, its horns are down by the legs of the matador and it, mm. it just turn its head back and forth, you know, trying to catch the matador even through the cape and to, to rip and tear the cape out of the way or the, the you know, in the tail of Gilgamesh, it was his tunic, a colorful tunic, which he used to bait the bull. So when you see matadors using that cape, they're taunting the bull to charge again and they're using the cape to uh, mask what they're actually doing behind it and stepping out of the way of the bull. Um, but they stay very close to the bull Jeez. as it comes by. And the reason is because they must be close in order to deliver the kill shot into the bull. And they can't do the kill shot early because the, if the shoulder blades are too tight together, if the head is too high, then they can't get that shot that goes all the way to the heart. They'll hit bones and ribs and, and shoulder material like that. And then the bull's really ticked and he can come back and kill you. Um, so uh, it's quite frequent. It's not as uncommon as you might think where matadors get gored and killed by the bull. Uh, they actually keep medical teams in Spanish bullfighting there to try to you know help the, the matadors because if they get a femoral artery, uh, they're dead in a minute. Yeah. So... Um, that's why you just part. You, it sounds like you're describing Trump because he's taunting them right now, <laughs> isn't he? Anyway, well, and I'm actually going to go there, Steve. Okay. Because do you know what happened just yesterday on Tuesday? Judge Sullivan up in Washington D.C. Uh, had a finding that said that Trump can be charged for various, uh, you know, sued civilly for what he did in trying to get them to look at the election more closely from January 6th, uh, before the January 6th vote in 2020 and coming up on 2021 when the, when the vote was certified. Um, and also that he can even be charged criminally related to him supposedly trying to do an insurrection to overturn the uh, election of 2020 uh, before Biden was sworn. And so, uh, he laid the groundwork, Judge Sullivan did just yesterday, to arrest President Trump uh, related to the January 6th stuff. And of course, we know that Navarro, the attorney who uh, filed papers challenging the authority of the January 6th committee to even exist, and said they're an unconstitutional committee of Congress, and then Steve Bannon, who had information related to the January 6th stuff and who they... Um, wanted to come in and testify, and he said, no, you're not a lawful committee. I'm not going to do it. So they, they had Steve Bannon arrested under those same grounds. Mm. They want to arrest President Trump. And I will tell you that on, uh, today's, on Monday, uh, we saw assets moved into place uh, near Mar-a-Lago um, at uh, two locations that appear to be personnel and equipment in preparation uh, potentially to arrest Trump. Are you serious? Is they, they really moved assets into place for that? Yes, it, it's, now that's arguable. Okay. Um, you they probably, may, they probably want to make it arguable, don't they? They don't want to make that's it, right. yeah. And, and by the way, it was about 30 days ago, just shy of 30 days ago, 
that we know the uh, ink was wet on the paper after a um, interagency, um, you know, meeting discussion to walk through the technicalities, uh, the formalities of what an arrest of Trump would look like, because you have a lot of agencies involved, Secret Service, Justice Department, FBI. Mm. Uh, you have uh, security in a transport. Uh, if he's not going to come show himself to you, you got to go arrest him. Where are you going to arrest him? Well, probably at Mar-a-Lago or transit somewhere. So there was all sorts of things there that uh, logistically um, uh, that was the preparatory work for an arrest was done. Uh, there was speculation that the arrest could happen any moment then, but we knew that, you know, the other stuff wasn't in play. So, you know, wheels, you know, move slowly on these types of things, uh, you know, with a lot of plotting and planning generally, mm. but, uh, you have to put that into context. Um, would they really arrest Trump? And then I come back to this moment that we're in before I switch completely over to what's going on on the judicial side. Let's just finish this, uh, sure. this moment with the bullfight. Yeah. Uh, each round is announced by a trumpet. So a trumpet goes off and the first round begins. Everything's paraded around. Trumpet goes off and the second round begins. The Toreadors weaken the bull around the neck and shoulders with these spikes and these um, uh, prongs and, and hooks on on long poles uh, and the horses are kind of jostling the bull about while they're doing it. And then the matador comes out and the matador is trying to get the bull to charge, charge, charge me to wear himself out and to get his head lower and lower to get it in position for the kill shot. Um, when the head is low enough, as the bull comes by charging the matador, the, the megador in this case, then, uh, They'll even leap in the air to get enough weight and force and pressure to drive the sword down through between the shoulder blades all the way to the heart. And if you don't get it all the way, and if you can't get to the heart, you don't kill the bull. You just anger it even more. And so it's, it's, it's quite an art. And uh, the bull is very exhausted. You know, tongue will be hanging out. It's just so exhausted. Its head will be down practically in the ground. And that's when you can take the kill shot. It's also the most dangerous moment mm. in the bullfight because with just one little flick, you know, the bull outweighs the matador 10 to 1. And the adrenaline's yeah. going. It's a life and death scenario. In the third round, when 10 minutes have gone by, it's a 15-minute round, and there's five minutes left. The fourth horn, and this is a very important feature. I don't think I've really talked about this anywhere. This is exclusive first to you, Steve. Wow. The fourth horn sounds. And when it does, that means that the bullfighter has five minutes left to complete the deed, to kill the bull. If the bull is not killed by the end of that five minutes, the bull is allowed to live. It'll even be nursed back to health and then goes out uh, and it's allowed for the rest of its life to just go breed other bulls. Mm. And so the bulls that survive even later in the contest are the ones whose ancestors survived the bullfight. Wow. It may be that they've gored the matador. They've done other stuff. If if they're able to take the matador out in such a way he can't come in and complete the deed by the 15 minutes for any reason, the bull lives. 
So it's a very big thing. But the four horns, mm. keep that in the back of your mind. So now let's talk about this case that has uh, come seemingly out of nowhere here in America uh, just in the last uh, few days even. Uh, four brothers. This is incredible. These were just like no, not known people, right? These are not famous. Well, they actually were famous in their own regard. You know, the, the Brunson brothers, uh, their dad was a fairly well-known trumpeter uh, when, you okay. know, back in the 40s, 50s. And uh, so these brothers um, were being raised. They, they grew up in Utah. And uh, they, uh, their dad actually paid them to practice on their trumpets. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Whoa, he bought them. Wow. He, he, you know, it was a good, good, good thing. So as they were getting, you know, into their teen years, they'd play at football games and dances and all sorts of stuff. And then they became well known enough. Eventually, they started doing things like Johnny Carson, the Rose Bowl yeah. parade, other stuff. They traveled all over the country, did all these great things. And in fact, they had a, a signature sound where they would, you know, play you know, very famous things like the William Tell Orchestra, the Flight of the Bumblebee, all sorts of stuff, like lots of jazz and things. But they had a particular thing where they'd give a little flare at the end of a sequence, you know, in a, in a thing that was called the Brunson. And it was... Oh, really? <laughs> and they, they, yeah, they'd do this stuff. And so it became a musical um, uh, theme, the Brunson, where they would do this little flare at the end of anything they did uh, to uh, with that's the horns. That was kind of spectacular, kind of fun. You go look at the videos. Well, that's videos interesting. I never heard that because I was in a jazz band in high school, and we did that, but no one ever explained the origin of that. They do that. Yes. I think as I was the trumpeter, one of the three trumpeters, and that's so interesting. I'd never heard that story. Fascinating. Yes. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Streams podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, go to ElijahStreams.com slash give. Yes, and, the, and that came from the from the Brunsons. Well, you know. so, uh, so here you have four Brunson brothers that are trumpeteers. I think, and this is why I think it's so fun for your audience, Steve. Yeah. Um, we look at the events of the world um, from a citizen standpoint, from a media standpoint, just an average American standpoint, we're saturated in all sorts of themes, programming, Fifth Avenue sales jobs to think, operate, perceive the world in a certain way. Yeah. Yet you have a show here where we bring in ministers, we bring in God's word and prophets, and we we're hopefully hearing uh, from God directly yeah. without all of the um, uh, distraction, mm -hmm. the um, pomp and circumstance that obscure and, and change the message or drag us off in some other direction that isn't where God would take us. So we're fighting all the way. People that listen to a show like you have, that come back day after day, week after week, they're trying to overdrive all the other influences on That's their psyche true. So, true. so that they can hear more directly from God. 
And so sometimes God does things right in plain sight that are like this hidden fingerprint of God <laughs> himself That's that true. no man could have orchestrated and they don't happen like in a day or a week. It's not Fifth Avenue in the classic sense. A, a person's entire life can come to one moment in time that defines who they are. And yet you look at it and you go, wait a second. It may be that exact moment that it, it all came together, but the pieces were brought together by God himself, formed while you were still in the womb, I knit you together, okay? Oh, good, God yeah. knits things together that seem so disconnected, and all of a sudden, bam, there's the picture. Mm -hmm. So here these Brunson brothers, trumpeteers, have been out performing with their trumpets their whole life. And here we are as a nation at this spectacle moment where the deep state is in the corral. All of America, all of the world is watching this bullfight. The matador Trump, is Trump coming back? Can Trump beat the deep state? He's outweighed 10 to 1. Nobody can beat the bull. But a lot of picadors have come in and weakened the bull. We did 20 election integrity hearings around America in the last year helping in state by state by state, the people to see how these elections with the, the machines are being manipulated, controlled, puppeteered behind the scenes to come up mm. with a false vote in the elections and to show who the people, what the mechanisms are of control that are altering our elections and putting people in power over us who aren't who we actually voted for. We've had uh, you know, that was the election integrity forms that I, I put together, you know, over a year ago. And all that coalition of people that came together, you know, we did with virtually nothing money-wise, just a pittance. What other organizations might have cost 50, $100 million to do, and it was because American citizens felt so strongly they stopped their life they joined the coalition, they donated their time and services. You know, other groups, they get money to go buy people to go do stuff. These citizens in, in large measure, other than stuff we paid for facilities we rented and, and, and some stuff here and there that we needed uh, uh, for the audiovisual like that, was all donated hmm. by the people that actually put those on, brought their expertise, their knowledge. And the same thing with the coalition of candidates. With with less than 10% of the money that other candidates had, our coalition of secretaries of state candidates and other candidates around them, around the country, made one heck of a fight. You just can't imagine. And so we look at these elections, we're saying, hey, stolen, 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 mm -hmm. stolen, stolen, stolen. Uh, Marchant in Nevada, Fincham in Arizona, uh, Christina Caramo, wonderful candidate up there in, in uh Michigan and others all around the country. Uh, Carrie Lake, the running for governor there in, in uh, uh, Arizona also. Uh, these were fantastic candidates. When we look at what happened, as far as we're concerned, the evidence is very clear. Our candidates won all of those races with less than a tenth the amount of money mm. that the other side was able to bring in through things like FTX and Tremor. 
uh, these crypto uh, machines that brought in, you know, money stolen from the American government and filtered through these companies to come back and, and, and be put in these campaigns. There's all sorts of information coming on that. So they did it as citizens and they did it for the love of country. And we did it as a group with nothing of what's been being used to buy elections in America. So with all of this in mind, you know, this third round, the bull, you know, you look at the elections around the country, the, the way that our government's, you know, coming together right now in this post-2022 election period, uh, we've weakened this deep state bull tremendously. It's heads hanging low. Look at the Hunter Biden stuff, the oh, yeah. FTX stuff. Uh, that we're now learning about with with the money being laundered through Ukraine sent by the American government to supposedly buy arms for Ukraine to protect itself against Russia. And yet that money was then laundered, filtered through FTX, this crypto group, back to Democrat campaigns here in America. Our own money used against us, the, the noose we bought and paid for being put around our necks to, to capture America. So with that in mind, um, the bull is pretty well weakened, but where are you going to get the kill shot at? So these four brothers, back after the 2021 certification of the vote, they're in March, they're in Utah, where they live. They looked at what could they do. One of the brothers had done some pro se work on some stuff related to banking. And he had a certain understanding of the banking world. So uh, with pro se and the courts, they thought he could maybe file something. And, and the contention was this. Um, when this, the vote for certification of the 2020 election was conducted, uh, weeks beforehand, Ted Cruz uh, had filed something out of Texas uh, uh, asking, uh, and he had, I think, five senators total that were part of this, uh, asking that Congress delay 10 days from certifying the vote on January 6th and review all of the materials related to the vote uh, for any signs of foreign interference. And this was done because uh, President Trump in September 12th, 2018, had signed an executive order requiring that all federal investigative agencies inside the Homeland Security system look at any vote, any federal election henceforth for any signs of foreign interference in the election process. Wow. Uh, that's due 45 days after any federal vote. And that, he said that he signed that a couple of years before the 2020 election was even stolen. You're saying that's 2018? Yes, that was September 12th. Yeah, September 12th, 2018, executive Jeez, order. Way early. So it, it required a 45, 45 days after the election, the director of national intelligence, whose name is Radcliffe at that time, that he had to provide the president and other relevant agencies with a report concerning if there was any foreign interference in the election. Three days before the report was due on December 15th, Radcliffe... Uh, told media people in an interview that uh, there was signs of foreign interference by China, but that there was uh, disagreement between the various investigative agencies, and he didn't name them, but we can assume, you know, FBI, CIA, NSA, whatever, 
uh, as to how much weight to give the information concerning foreign interference in the election. So rather than provide an interim report, uh, those agencies in Homeland Security, there's 16 intelligence gathering agencies in Homeland Security. The 17th agency is uh, director of national intelligence that supervises the rest of them. Again, numbers mean things. These cultists are, are like they're 17 because that refers back to the Washington Monument, the conversation we had months ago previously. They like their number symbology. They like their symbol symbology, their astrology. Mm. Uh, they do these repeating patterns because they believe they get power doing stuff in plain sight right in front of us. And if we agree to it, if something bad happens to us, the bad karma is on us, not them. Because we didn't listen, because we didn't believe what they said they were going to do or something. In other words, it's yeah. our fault because we didn't listen. Well, an example would be this. In fact, one of the Hollywood people the other day was talking about this, one of the stars. He says, uh, if I put a basket of poison apples out and I put a sign over it, free apples, and you eat one and die, then the bad karma is on me because I, I killed you. If I put a basket of poison apples out and I put a sign over it, poison apples, and you eat one and die, you committed suicide. Hmm. And so Hollywood lets you know who they are. Remember, the National Academy of Theatrical Arts and Sciences, these are Satanists. They love their reversals. They do stuff in plain sight. They love their mirrors. They're breaking the eight ceremonies, etc. So the National Academy of Theatrical Arts and Sciences, who is that? Yeah, I, I mean. That's Satan backwards. Really? So you know, so that that National Academy, this isn't just a group that includes Satanists. These are Satanists from the beginning. Well, who runs the Golden Globes? Who runs the Oscars? The National Academy of Theatrical Arts and Sciences. Dude. Okay, who funded who funded the creation of the UN? The Lucis Trust, and they had a chapel dedicated to Lucifer inside the UN building. They later had to shorten it and change the names because people got so upset. These were Satanists. Uh, that Rockefeller clan, they were very much into the satanic stuff. They would they would mm. get their shields with uh, church people, Methodists and like that, uh, Presbyterians and all that. But that was just a shield for who they really were. And, uh, you know, uh, by the way, they love to hide their stuff in plain sight. What got America into the First World War? The sinking of the Lusitania. Oh, yeah, the Lusitania. That, oh, really? See, they do it over. And then on the numbers, uh, 11 is the number of discord. Because when, when uh, Judas betrayed Christ, there was 11 left, and they were in disarray and discord hmm. when he killed himself, committed suicide. So 11 is the number of chaos, war discord so what did world war one start on the 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 vehicle that the archduke ferdinand was riding in when he was assassinated if you look at the license plate it decodes 11 11 11 really when world war one ended 
when did it end? On the 11th day of the 11th month at 11 a.m. 11, 11, 11. You're saying now, why, that they, both the beginning of the war and the ending of the war were controlled by the same Satanists. Is that what I'm hearing you say? That's precisely correct because it set up the situation for this world conflict that we're coming into right now. Uh, why don't you just say World War One and then the letter or the, the number two as opposed to one and then one one? Because they want that imagery of the 11, 11, 11, 11 in this stuff related to war. 11 is the number of war. 11, 11, 11, total war. Uh, even, you know, forecasting the third world war. Uh, you know, it's a 111 thing. Yeah. So they're trying to put predictive programming in place. Uh, with all the various imagery, even right now, these groups around the world that are really Baal worshipers today, doing stuff in the government like that, they love this bull imagery. And uh, you can see um, spectacles around the world periodically where they prayed out the bull uh, symbolically. And, and by the way, the bull in the tale of Gilgamesh fell to earth and then did all this rampaging. Uh, and it says in there, he actually fell to earth like lightning. What did Christ say? I saw Satan Thank like lightning fall, fall from heaven. Falling, yeah. to the earth, falling to the earth like lightning. Yeah. So the two are kind of tied together yeah. symbolically, even by Christ himself in, in the way that he does it. By the way, 9-11. Yeah, I heard that. When you said that, I thought 9-11. Goodness. It's the true birth date of Christ, 3 BC. Uh, they had to villainize that date. And then the spectacle of 9-11, the birthing into this world through a spiritual birth channel, which is what the, the two buildings represented. Um, all the gods of the Greek Parthenon were there present in the area around there. Isis, the Statue of Liberty which we've talked about in the previous show, uh, all the other buildings have symbology. One of the things that happened is the bull of Wall Street. If you go back and look at the story of this, this bronze bull that showed up on Wall Street, there's no record of who paid for it. Right. There's no permission for the bull to be put there. It just overnight, in the middle of the night, shows up on the street there at, at, at the, uh, the trading building there in Wall Street. And... It's so big, it's so huge, and it's so beautiful that nobody wants to do anything with it. They're just like, you know, just showed up. Who gave it permission? Who ordered it? Who spent all the money? And it stays there for a very long period of time until it's finally approved to stay there. In symbology, representing exactly how the bull of heaven fell like lightning to the earth in the tale of Gilgamesh and then was rampaging on the earth. The bull of Wall Street just appeared. And isn't on that street. bull on Wall Street, isn't it facing a child or something? Isn't there a child? In yes, that? yes. There's in that same area there. They put That's an innocent exactly child right. being shocked at this bull charging it or something like that. Yes. So now let's bring this forward. Let's think about this. In the, in the um, uh, Baal-Elijah scenario, children were the sacrifice. Today, right now, in this last year, this amazing thing happened. The federal 
mandate that abortions be available across the land, taking the power from the states to state by state decide if they were going to allow abortions, the feds overriding that, the Supreme Court gets about five to 8,000 requests a year to hear cases um, and then make a decision on it. Of the five to 8,000 cases that people present to the court with a writ of certiorari uh, 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 asking for um, a, uh, you know, a hearing to, to decide this, the Supreme Court only takes about 150 cases, Jeez. sometimes 200, sometimes only 100. <clears throat> really high years, like 250. So they, they five to 8,000 cases show up and they'll only hear a fraction mm. of those cases. But the court picks and choose what things they want to hear, where they want to go as a court. So you have nine members of the court and you have to have four members agree they want to hear a particular case of a particular type. And uh, uh, a winning side would be five members all agreeing yeah. or more. But you have to have four to take it in and decide you're going to hear it. And so uh, uh, the court decided to hear this case out of uh, Missouri regarding the whole federal abortion thing and to see if, in fact, uh, they wanted to change their decision. They could have ignored the case. Similar cases have been presented for 50 years since Roe versus Wade uh, became the law of the land. People have come up and challenged and brought great cases, and the courts just ignored them because the justices couldn't get a quorum of four of the five justices to agree to hear the case. And so abortion was the law of the land. This court decided to hear a case on its merits and then decided that a prior court erred in its ruling that the feds had authority to, to uh, govern over this at the, oh, wow. at the lawful level, reversed the earlier court, said the earlier court erred in its finding, and we do not find a federal right to mandate abortions out across all of the states, hmm. pulled that back, reversed itself, and that l made the Democrats totally livid because their platform is a platform of death. Mm -hmm. Their platform uh, is built around this whole abortion theme, and their platform is built around an anti-God theme. Mm-hmm. But it's not exclusive to the Democrats. We have a lot of Republican rhinos. Uh, even though the platform is not written the same way as it is for the Democrats, uh, the function, the way that a lot of these Republicans operate, uh, rhino means Republican name in name only, uh, they, they don't operate much different from the Democrats. Mm -hmm. And so there's you know this contention, are they actually representative of the people or has somebody captured those office locations bought and paid for you know let's say that uh you put a military base in a certain place or you do something in uh environmental law that favors a particular group well the politician that sells that and gets federal money 
for housing or banking or something else, they then have the ability to get a number of voters in that area. And they say, yeah, 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 that's, we got ours. We got ours too bad about you. And so we don't want to stop the military spending in our area on stuff. And so our Senator brings it home for us and gets us the bridges and all the infrastructure Mm. and the the free payroll. So they get bought and paid for. Then again, it may be that there's manipulation within the way the votes counted. These, these electronic machines were designed to steal the vote, not just Mm. in foreign countries, but right here at home. And that's, that's what we're going to find out and have been finding out over the last couple of years. So with that in mind, are the people that are in office truly the people that the American people are voting in there and want for the representatives or by fraud, are they being, um, there's their vote stolen away, their government stole it away. Completely. I, and I want, as I'm watching the clock, I want to make sure you have time to get to the Trumpeter brothers, whatever you call them. The Br- Is it Brunson? <laughs> yeah, Brunson brothers. Yeah, so well, what, I'm bringing what, all this together. Okay. I'm it all together. okay. So, so now you have to think about this. Um, in the third round, okay. we have weakened the deep state bull. We're getting insights into all the mischief going on. Its head is hanging lower and lower. It's more dangerous than ever. Mm. Those horns with a deft little move here or there could catch the matador, flip them over three or four times, break a leg, uh, get into a femoral artery, and, mm. and kill the matador. Um and survive the game. This Congress now post 2022 election is what we call a lame duck Congress. The election's over, the midterm's over. Um, they're, you know, the people that have won are coming back to office on January 3rd. Uh, that's been determined or, you know, is, is in the process of being determined. They do stuff during lame duck sessions where some people are leaving and not coming back and they want to pass a few things to look good to somebody that might be hiring them later or or contracting with them later in this revolving door of government. Um, uh, They feel a certain amount of license to do whatever they want. And, uh, for example, the Federal Reserve Act was passed during this Christmas break on Christmas Eve, 1913, that changed the way our whole monetary supply, monetary system works in America. Our monetary system was stolen um, uh, in violation of the Constitution, and that's never been taken back since 1913. And it was stolen during what we would call a lame duck session as everybody's supposed to be going home for the holidays and they extended a little bit, did this vote when a lot of other people weren't there, put it in place. Then nobody really realized until a couple of years later. That makes the next four weeks extremely dangerous right now, right? That's right. Four weeks. And so Congress has come in and they've been having these conversations all year since Roe versus Wade. We have got to get that Supreme Court, we've got to take him out. The president, the administration, because remember, a presidency is actually a whole group of people that come in around the mm. president, the advisors, all the legal people, the military, the contractors, the the um, cabinet you know, very members, lobbyists, etc. Yeah. 
yeah. cabin and everything. Yeah. And they all are in there and they're saying, look, we wanted abortion. They're in this bail system in, in it's arguable, but within our audience here, Steve, the food supply for Satan himself, for Baal himself, is children, blood, okay? And we've broken the food supply chain to these Baal worshipers, to Satan himself with the sacrifice of children and the abortion theme. So the devil wants revenge on this Supreme Court. Wow. Uh, it's not... It's been argued publicly, but it's never been acknowledged publicly. But Justice Thomas got very sick and his wife got very sick after a trip to a restaurant and it was believed that they were poisoned oh last my. spring. Oh, okay. Man. Uh, the security around the Supreme Court justices, the conservative ones, was radically ramped up months and months ago. Not been public about that, but uh, because of threats against them related to what? Roe versus wade this administration the people around biden biden doesn't even know what solar system he's in but the people around him know what's going on and they have talked about packing the court with liberals this has been talked off and on for decades anytime something comes up but they're talking about it again and they're capable of it they want to do it during the lame duck session the congress is talking about putting in term limits on Supreme Court justices. So they're looking at ways to take action to get this court under control, to put a leash on the Supreme Court who took out Roe versus Wade. Look at it from a divine perspective. These justices are under attack. They're about to enter the most critical moment and in bullfighting, with five minutes left to go in the match, and by the way, in Skill and Bones, their clock is set ahead five minutes. And the reason is, is because they're always five minutes ahead of the rest of the world. So really? when it's five minutes to midnight for everybody else, it's midnight for them. They plan everything so that it happens five minutes before you realized it was, uh, it was about to happen. They'll even tell you what's going to happen at midnight, but it's their midnight, not your midnight. You find out after it's already occurred. Mm. Okay. So with five minutes left in the bullfight, a fourth trumpet sounds. Hand of God, fingerprint of God, the four trumpeteers. Oh, interesting. The trumpeteers. Oh, the four wow. trumpeteers oh, wow. are in the game at the last instant. Oh, my goodness. And think about this, Steve. You can't make this if, up, man. You can't make this up. If the, if the trump card is the killer, is the matador, the trumpeteers are like the picadors, preparing the way and weakening the bull and making this happen in a certain way. And it's four trumpets. Not just three, the three rounds, but the final trumpet comes in the midst. Gee, man. Two-thirds of the way into the last round, and you've only got moments to go, or the deep state bull lives. So in this situation, this case had been out there percolating all the way from March of 2021. 
They ran two identical cases, one through the Second Circuit Court, one through the Tenth Circuit Court, seeing if they could get through with the judges to the Supreme Court. On the second one, it's bogged down and it's the courts got it. So it just can't get through on the in the Tenth Circuit. They realized in July, actually, we could bypass this court if we raise the issue of national security, which a vote is a national security issue. Help Elijah Streams continue to reach people around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Streams and the Elijah Streams podcast possible. Visit ElijahStreams.com slash give and become a partner today. And, and the core of this case is, just a reminder for everybody, um, when Ted Cruz used a law that was put in place, uh, a rule, back in 1877 on another election, where it uh, Congress decided that they had to take five senators, five representatives, and five Supreme Court justices, and then look at the election for 10 days to verify that it was a valid election in this federal election. Ted Cruz used that same um, uh, historical incident uh, and the protocol from that uh, and said, we need to take 10 days to look at this election before certifying it on January 6th. That still would have allowed that they could come back and certify it on the 16th or the 17th, arguably, mm-hmm. in reality, and be able to complete it by the 20th. And in reality, also, they, they, they used to certify an election and then put the new president in on the 6th of March. That was moved back to January 20th. They could have even delayed transferring the presidency from Trump to the new elected presidency all the way to March and still been constitutionally correct. So with that in mind, um, uh, what happened was that Congress ignored what Ted Cruz had asked for, uh, didn't do a 10-day investigation. They just certified without the benefit of the Director of National Intelligence report, which was denied it, and uh, the 16 intelligence agencies uh, behind the Director of National Intelligence. All of that investigation, which was under executive order to be done, was never presented to anyone prior to January 6th. So Congress certified the vote without any um, uh, benefit of any investigation, Homeland Security or one done by Congress where, uh, uh, you know, Ted Cruz and those other senators had uh, said, we have to do a 10-day investigation. They just blew right past it. This lawsuit says that Congress had an obligation to verify before they certified. They had an obligation to do that 10-day investigation. And when they didn't, they violated their trust and their oath that they took before they took office. Every member of Congress, uh, military, you know, police officers even, they have to do a, um, uh, a uh, oath and it says, I promise to protect the Constitution from all enemies, foreign, foreign and, domestic. and domestic. Okay, so they had an obligation to um, do this investigation to make sure that they weren't handing over America to some 
you know, crew that had uh, manipulated the election to take control of America. It's a national security crisis. And if it was done by people internal in the United States, the Al Capones of the world, mm. then it would require a policing action to go through the justice system to, you know, capture these people, charge them and uh, reverse what had happened in, in a stolen election. If it was done by an external force uh, at the nation state level, then it's an act of war. And then we would have to have the military come in uh, and protect us from these foreign adversaries who stole the leadership of our country through a stolen vote. Um, but they had to do an investigation. When they failed to do an investigation and certified the vote, every single member of the House of Representatives and the Senate who voted to certify the vote were in violation of their oath to protect the Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic. And, and what is the Constitution in this environment? The Constitution is the contract between the people, the citizens of the United States, and its government. The Constitution is the document that determines what the limits of government are, what the authorities and responsibilities of people in this government are to its citizens. And if you're in violation of your oath to the Constitution, you're in violation of your oath to protect the contract between the citizens totally. of the government for I, America. Let me ask you a quick question. Are you saying that the, these trumpeters, are they the ones that brought this case and said you're in violation? Is that what... Is that what their case is? They say, yes, you, you didn't the protect four, us. The four brothers, the okay. four brothers brought two cases. Okay. And their history is as trumpeteers, very well known. And they brought it through when, when they couldn't get through and then they went to, to do it as a national security issue. What's interesting is that the Supreme Court um, uh, caught wind of this saw it down in the lower courts, really? saw that it had been being blocked. And so they had noticed the Supreme Court, they were going to bring a matter of national security interest with this case to the court. The clerk of the Supreme Court, who himself was actually the attorney representing the Supreme Court behind the scenes for many, many years, who's now the clerk, uh, he calls him up, gives him a member in his office to do any contact with, and says, if you have any problem preparing this, you know all the rules, it has to be perfect bound, it has to be spaced a certain way, it has to have a certain look and profile and all that. If you have any questions, call this person. And oh, by the way, how soon can you get this done? So he's like greasing, <laughs> he's greasing the wheels. He wants to make sure that it somehow, Do I, am I overstating it by saying that this clerk is openly, clearly trying to get this case heard right now without any exception? I mean, is that just... Well, let me, let me say it correctly. Yeah. The clerk is not doing this all by himself. At least one or more of the justices okay. have seen this case and have directed the clerk. The clerk's not operating autonomously. Okay. He is doing what the judges or a judge has asked them to do to make okay. sure this case gets uh, 
up here we want to see this okay that's interesting i thought that my um elementary thinking i thought that the justices had to just sit there and wait to see what was brought before them on time but you're saying they saw it coming and they're greasing the wheels to get it there on time and and then um according to the law i guess huh well and i would say that if there's anything that we have to look at that makes this case um, extremely unusual and makes us have to slow down and think about what's going on. It's that one detail that makes this different from all other cases. Uh, uh, in talking with uh, constitutional attorneys and professors who teach this type of law in universities, uh, first-rate uh, law universities, because uh, I've had them on the phone uh, reviewing this and had uh, one of the brothers, Loy, on the phone reviewing this. Um, this is what makes this case so extremely important that we slow down and listen to it more carefully. Uh, if, if the justices hadn't reached out through the clerk of the court to make sure this case moved smoothly all the way to them, we would probably say that this is not going to get heard. In fact, all of the attorneys, every one of them that I've spoken with on this said that in any other year, this case would never, ever, wow. ever get heard by the court. It would never get out of that five to 8,000 that the court, you know, gets a writ of certiorari, uh, certiorari uh, and, uh, you know, actually, you know, go to review. It just wouldn't happen. Wouldn't happen. It's, 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 this is, um, Jeez. This is uh, conspiracy school type. Well, case. and is this where you had said, I think you and I were off the air, you said it was kind of like a pink rhino, something like this has never happened before. Is that kind of, are you referring to this process? Well, the way the case, case happened, there is cases where the clerk of the court has reached out to help a case through. And in fact, they've been heard by the, by the Supreme Court. And so those ones where they did reach out this way, usually result in the court actually seeing it but it's a very very rare event years may go by where they never reach out like this on any case um the fact that they did here means that the justices want to hear this case and i would contend even more than that what's unique about this exact moment and why the whole story why all this stuff about the the bull yeah this should bring it all into perspective i hope for your listeners you see the Supreme Court is under attack because of what they did in Roe versus Wade, okay. because of the fact that they sought out a case that could reverse Roe versus Wade. Think about that. That case Roe versus Wade uh, got reversed on could have just gone into the doldrums like all the rest, but they picked it out of the pack because they wanted to wow. revisit Roe versus Wade. And they got, you know, there's lots of cases that are brought and have been brought for 50 years. This one got moved to the front of the pack, got heard. And because the justices wanted to, they said in their ruling that a prior court erred in its ruling and that Roe versus Wade was made the law of the land in error. Okay, yeah. So they wanted to correct an error. And by the way, that error allowed for the murder 
of millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of innocents, which then brings a curse on the land yeah. from a, a Christian standpoint, a biblical standpoint. Mm -hmm. There's sins of commission, things that you do knowingly, and there's sins of omission, things that you fail to do, that when you do fail to do it, uh, and you know better, it's a sin. And even from their way of viewing it, from a Baal, satanic way of viewing this, if they tell you what they're going to do, and you ignore it and go ahead, oh, here's poison apples. Okay, well, I'm going to have one of those. Uh, the guilt is on you for eating the apple. They told you what they're all about. In this Baal-worshipping system, they want America. See, the devil... And this is really a critical point. I think everybody here within this community, within this audience, I want you to just think about what I'm saying here for a, a second. The devil is portrayed as a serpent. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have arms or legs. The serpent in a more mature form is viewed as a dragon, a dragon serpent. A dragon serpent has arms and legs, hmm. but where do the arms and legs come from? It goes to the cane story that I told you earlier. Uh, uh, it goes to the influence, uh, this hybrid, were the arms and legs of the serpent, if we allow it to be. When uh, Satan, Lucifer, the devil, is portrayed in the great white throne judgment at the end of time, he's placed in the center of this spectacle theater before the throne of God. And it's said that all the humans, all of mankind, views Satan, Lucifer, the devil. And they ask amongst themselves, is this right. the deceiver of nations? Is this the one that made the nations tremble, I think, is one of the, is the way. Is this the one that made the, caused the nations to tremble? I mean, I don't know if that was your point. But... And it brought the nations to war. Yeah, okay, wow. And, and, and fooled everybody. Mm. It's just a serpent. It has no arms and legs. And, it's, and the term that's used is this worm. Okay. Is this the one that deceived the nations for whom wars were fought? Gee. Think of all those slipping into hell itself mm -hmm. by deception. Okay? The great deceiver causing people to lose their minds. And so we look at this moment in time in history, the karma from the way they see it, we've bought into a lie. The bad karma's on us. That's why we can go to hell for siding with this, this worm by, by becoming vulnerable to the deceptions and not using our brains to think it through. So America has guilt because of abortion, but this court has reversed that and now pushed it back to the states. And the people of America, uh, this brainwashing, this, this theater of the mind has been broken. And now we're looking at the ability to have to think about what's going on here and our part in it and push back on it and reverse it as God's people. And to go nope. back to what God gave us in the founding fathers and to the pilgrims before that. Uh, so let me uh, ask this, uh, uh, Juan. So where are we? Are are we at a point where 
Um, and I think we talked about this a little bit off here, so I forget which I talked which. Are we at a point where almost any minute, any day, the, the Supreme Court could flip something on its head? That what, what, where Yes, yes. So the way the Supreme Court, let me just, yeah, I'll, I'll tighten it up a little bit. And sure. I, I appreciate your patience. This is a very yeah. complex story, and I want everybody to really, this could change everything. So I Jeez. want you to understand the intricacies here and why this, there's plenty of scholars, plenty of attorneys. I've talked to many of them over the last several days, say this isn't going anywhere. Nothing's happening. Uh, I'm not worried about it. Nothing's going to happen. They're wrong. And here's why. When the plaintiffs, the Brunson brothers, were contacted by the court and asked if they could move this along, they said, well, we could have it ready in like a month. And they said, really, you can't do any federal? Well, maybe like two weeks. Okay, well, that'll work. But man, you know, no longer than that, please. Well, they actually got it all together in a week. They got it to the court on Friday, October 21st. So on Friday, the 21st of October, the court received this. On Monday, the 24th, the court uh, filed this action uh, uh where the defendants, the 388 people that are defendants, were noticed that the court was looking at this case to receive it and to look at the case. So the 388 defendants are noticed that uh, they got 30 days to present a response to the Supreme Court, why the Supreme Court should not set this case on a calendar, on the docket, to hear it, and uh, review it. <clears throat> the Solicitor General for the United States uh, sends notice that they're taking this case to represent all 388 defendants and uh, that they now are the attorney of record on the case for the defendants. 30 days goes by. On November 23rd, just days ago, last week, the day before Thanksgiving, the court had still not heard anything from the defendant's attorney, the Solicitor General. The Solicitor General, near the end of the day, contacts the plaintiffs and contacts the court in writing to both of them and says, uh, we've decided not to respond in any way with this case or to challenge Whoa. the authority or the right or the need for the court to hear this case. We're just going to ignore it. Do whatever you want to do. We don't care. Whoa, why? Now, if I was one why? of those 388 defendants, I'd probably want new counsel, by the way. <laughs> yeah. So what was their rationale for not challenging it? Well, there's two things. Number one, you would say, well, they weren't going to honor it with the, with the response because it's below their dignity. Okay. The other way of saying it is that there was no defense that they could present mm. that would have prevailed and in fact might have given additional information or or whatever to the plaintiffs so that it wouldn't um uh it, they would even have a stronger case now one of the things that the the court had asked the uh, plaintiffs to do before they filed it was to include in their filing what the other side would say if uh, they wanted to um, challenge the authority of the court or the need of the court, the Supreme Court, to look at this case. So they literally asked the plaintiffs to put the reasons why the defendants 
would challenge this mm. case coming to the Supreme Court in their filing so wow. that the Supreme Court justices could look at one filing and still say, well, we considered the challenge to the case. And on these things, this is the way the defendants would, would say it if they wanted to, as well as the merits of the case and why we should side and give the remedy to the plaintiffs that they're asking for. Hmm. Um, that was asked for by the clerk of the court, apparently anticipating this exact scenario. Hmm. So when they said, we don't, we're not going to do anything, Thanksgiving Day, and then on Friday, last Friday, less than a week ago, the court accepted the case to go before what they call um, uh, a weekly conclave of the various uh, Supreme Court justices every week. Right now, they've got one set for this Friday and one for next Friday. When this show is airing, there's one set for it. Uh, I forget what they call it. Uh, um It'll come to me in a second, counsel or whatever. Anyway, uh, where all the justices look at case, and a writ of set, uh, certiori basically is asking the court to formally receive the case and put it on the docket for review. Now, here's where it gets wild, Steve. Okay. Because the case was received by the court as a matter of national security, an election issue is a matter of national security if somebody can steal it if it's a foreign power. Yeah. And on an emergency basis, an expedited basis, see, they removed those features from their filing because the Tenth Circuit Court went ahead and gave them a finding at the last minute when they found out that the Supreme Court was looking at this case and was going to take it under a national emergency basis and bypass the Tenth Circuit. They couldn't stonewall this case like they'd been doing and keep it out in the mire in the quicksand of the Tenth Circuit. Yeah. So when they caught wind that these guys had a method to get straight to the Supreme Court and bypass them, suddenly they put out a ruling, okay, here it is, and we deny your case. That gave them an appealable issue. So they had to change their filing, and that's what that extra couple weeks was that it took them a week, actually, to modify the case before sending it to the Supreme Court was because it didn't have the emergency okay. uh, side of that, the national security side of it, to bypass the Tenth Circuit. But the court didn't receive it that way. The court received it as a matter of national security okay. and on an expedited basis. So here's why this is so important. And all of your attorneys out there can break this down. Listen, look, I've had the guys that do this for a living in the room and talking about this. So anybody wants to say, I don't know what I'm talking about. I guarantee you my experts beat your experts at any <laughs> given moment. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I, I can't even say exactly the positions a couple of these people have been in, but it didn't get any higher. Okay. You're, yeah. you're not going to, you're not going to trump me on this. Yeah. The court um, has, you know, people say, well, they haven't heard anything. But yes, they have. The court has already reviewed matters around this case. They may already have presented between themselves or have their staff working on um, papers related to this case, findings on this case. The formality of having it uh, received for this Friday conclave um, uh, and then setting it for a docket date actually can be bypassed because it's a national security emergency issue. The court at 
any moment from this point on has this case sitting in the file right here. And they could have an emergency hearing. They could call it in a matter of minutes to hours. All the justices show up at the Supreme Court and review this case. It could be three in the morning. Really? It could be Sunday. It could be Monday. It could be any day. It doesn't have to formally be set for this Friday conclave or the following Friday conclave. It can be, but doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be formally placed on the docket. The justices are very aware that this case is there and what it entails. And so the short version is the remedy in this case is either to dismiss the case based on the fact that, uh, you know, there was no standing or it's, it's not a threat to the country or whatever. The stuff that's in this uh, other side that would be the defendant side that they included in this thing, uh, the justices could decide that way or the justices could decide um, it is a national security matter and it, it does relate to the, the ability of these people to hold office. And so uh, we think they should be taken out of office. That's the remedy. The remedy is, by not having a 10-day investigation, the 388 named defendants in this case violated their oath to protect the Constitution, the contract wow. with the American citizens. They violated their oath by placing the country at risk by not doing the 10-day investigation. It has nothing to do with proving whether there oh, was foreign wow. interference. It oh, has wow. nothing to do with who won the election. You don't have to prove the the machines were rigged. You don't have to nothing. prove it was China nothing. involved. Nothing. You just have to say you didn't do, you didn't protect the American people. You and didn't at, do your at, job. At that point, then they reversed the election, if that were the case, or what? Well, it's this is this is where we got to slow down for a second. Okay. I want everybody to understand this. It's very simple. Okay. This is an up and down case. Did you or did you not do a 10-day investigation? Was that 10-day investigation something that you lawfully, legally, and by your oath were required and had to do? If, you, if, if to protect the country's contract with its citizens, to protect the Constitution, if a 10-day investigation is what was called for and you didn't do it, then you violated your oath. On that basis alone, because you didn't do the 10-day investigation, it doesn't matter what the investigation would have found. If you'd just done an investigation, even if you wanted to find there was no interference by China or anybody else, you'd have done the investigation, you'd have met, you'd have met the letter of the law. And there's precedence from 1877 in the Supreme Court. Five representatives, five senators, and five Supreme Court justices looked at an election, took a 10-day pause to verify that the vote was correct. So all they had to do was follow case precedents and they didn't do it. And mm. they knowingly full well knew their responsibility. So they didn't protect the constitution, didn't protect their oaths. They do not qualify to hold public office now or forevermore. Whoa, really? really? And they can never hold office again. Oh my goodness. Plus their actions because they didn't protect the constitution are nullified. Jeez. It's as though the January 6th vote never happened. This is so the vote that were, this was the vote where Pence 
agreed to certify it. Is that what you're talking about? That's right. So there's okay. 385 members of the House of Representatives and the senators that voted to certify the election. Then Pence, as vice president, also voted to certify the election. So he's a named defendant. Wow. And Harris and Biden were the received the benefit of what that certification did. So all of them would be removed from wow. office uh, and and would not be able to ever hold public office again. They don't go to jail. See, this is where this is where it gets kind of uh, weird for people that are watching, you know, looking at certain themes out here, thinking things are going to happen. They just no longer qualify to be in public uh, office. And so they, you know, for example, people that have uh, uh, security details from the Secret Service, they just gather their stuff. They pull all the locks off their houses and equipment. They grab all their stuff out of the guard posts and all that. And the Secret Service just walks away. They are they, their offices and all of their staff. Uh, everybody gets a box. Go ahead and empty your pencil drawer. Get Gee. the bars out of the refrigerator. Uh, let's go. Let's go. And they're escorted off the property outside of the secure areas by park police. Metropolitan and, and, police. I mean, is it oversimplifying it to say uh, Trump is immediately recognized as the still president is that what would happen at a time like that or what or yes because know? what would happen is that because the vote never legally occurred to certify yeah. the election trump was never read down relieved of duty you you have a decommissioning thing he passes the baton he did not concede the election he did not pass the baton so uh Technically, because the vote never happened, Trump remains president. And even in this intervening period, it's as though Congress wasn't in session with a full quorum. All of the stuff that they did, uh, uh, you know, January 6th and all those hearings, everything else, it has no weight because they were in that position uh, unlawfully because they violated their oaths and placed the Constitution at risk. So their actions subsequent to that uh, have no bearing. Now, technically, the brothers brought the suit in March, and it's arguable that stuff before March could be valid right up until that point. But uh, that's probably not true either. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Streams podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, go to ElijahStreams.com slash give. Uh, you know, attorneys will get to play with all this stuff over time. But here's the critical thing, Steve. Okay. Trump doesn't have to be sworn back in or reinstated. He's just recognized <laughs> as president from that instant on. His secret service... All of his authorities, Air Force One, et cetera, bang, that's it. Wow. He's, he's president. Wow. Now, it doesn't remove any of the down-ballot people. So senators, representatives, governors, everybody else, that portion of the 2020 election and the 2022 election remain in place. I misstated that the other day, and that's not true. Okay. Those remain in place, and I just want people to understand so we still have fights there that have to be done. But Trump is now president. But two-thirds of Congress is gone. is gone. Okay? Now, I, I just want to add one thing, Steve. 
uh, it's very interesting. And I, and you have uh, people with prophetic skills and insight on the show all the time. I have a gal who's very kind of behind the scenes, practically nobody knows she exists. Uh, uh, and um, Michelle Amagio. And is that the one um, you sent me that, that yes, yeah, yes. I, I saw just a few minutes of it. It was interesting. I didn't see it all, but I saw her have a kind of a she was describing a vision where two thirds were gone. And I, I didn't mean to get ahead of you, but I just want no. people to know I saw a piece of that. Well, what she did is she's she's out of Buffalo and uh, it was surprising, you know. So I had three different people come to me a couple of years back. All three of them have been struck by lightning twice. Whoa. Whoa. Twice. You can't even make this stuff up. Yeah. And all three of them separately in less than a month period came to me completely isolated. Uh, one of them who I'd known, hadn't seen for 10 years. I'm, I'm literally at uh, one of the casinos where we'd shown the sound of freedom. And I just had run something in and came back out after we'd shown it. And Here's my friend standing by my car, which was one of my more colorful cars. And so people are looking at it. And so we get to talking for a couple of minutes. And then he, 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 one thing led to another over the next day. He didn't realize that I was the one that had done a presentation that he had heard earlier that day at four in the morning. Oh, wow. And he says, I got to talk to that guy because, and he had a word from God. He didn't realize it was me. And so here we are talking, and then that night at a party, he realized, oh, my gosh, it's you. And then he gave me this, this thing. So And he'd been struck by lightning twice. That was Daniel Brinkley. So wow. uh, all three of them, their message was literally, it was almost identical. And they had no knowledge of the other ones or what they'd said. So separate from that, um, uh, last summer, this gal... Uh, we just so happened to cross paths in Buffalo because of something that happened with the uh, Christian revolution stuff with uh, Brett, uh, Ohio Brett and like that. And so we, I'd gotten to the wrong place. I had to get escorted to the right place to, to meet the folks. And so she and I crossed paths and she says, you're the person I actually think God told me to give a message to. And so she gave me a prophecy. She says, you got to record this because you'll want it for later reference. So I did. She gives me the same word that these other three people had given me. I mean, I you can't even make this. She I mean, doesn't know that what, I am. Is that what, are you going to share what that word is, or is no, that private? No, it's okay, a private, private word. Private okay, word. okay. Gotcha. Um, it was a, but it was very. I was like, wow. I think she's hearing from God directly yeah. because it yeah. matches the other one, and she didn't know who I was. She'd never totally. heard of me or anything. I okay, and so uh, that's why. When she says something, I do kind of pay closer attention. You mm -hmm. know that there's some people that that hear more clearly. That's right. There are, that, you know, some, and some it, you, you listen to a little bit, and some you listen to very, very closely. So you're saying this one's more closely. Yes, and that was okay. that's my my thought of her. So what she did, she'll put little things out into you know Rumble or whatever, just as a marker even though practically nobody's paying attention. The one that I sent you, I think it had 36 people and I sent it to a few friends and now it's got like 60 and she posted it a year ago in June. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Almost a year and a half ago now. And she said it was a vision that God gave her uh, in January of 2021 in the context of this January 6th vote. And she said, 
she was in the gallery looking down on Congress the way you could observe Congress in session. And uh, she said she saw that two thirds of the seats were empty. Crazy. And she says, God, what's going on here? And then she saw filtering in, uh, the trickling in was a nurse first. And then I think a farmer, a businessman, etc. teacher was, you know, a teacher was yeah. one. And yeah. yeah. And yeah. so she saw all this, but it was a different kind of a um, group than had ever existed in there all the way back to the beginning of the country. It was closer to what the original uh, intent of the country was, which was average people came in, did their service and went back home. It didn't become people like Biden that make a career out of being a politician for 40 years. Yeah. Uh, and, and all the graft that can come from that where you have lobbyists and, and, and groups that end up, you know, digging their way in and they can never be taken out. You can't compete with them because they got too many secret handshake connections behind the scenes. So she saw this and articulated this with two thirds of Congress gone, empty seats. I believe this hand of God moment, this fingerprint of God, even to the trumpeteers, even to it being four trumpeteering brothers crazy. and That's the bullfight. The yeah. bullfight is defined by four horns. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. you can't write that up. I mean, you, you couldn't even make that up. It would be too hard to believe. But I mean, the four trumpeteers at the last minute, the last five minutes bring this case. Uh, it's crazy. One, one quick question I want to ask you. Um, you said uh, earlier Congress hates the court now for what they did. Um, are we are we about to witness a confrontation between Congress and the courts in some fashion other than just a law passed or what, anything else that's, that's... Well, I think related to the January 6th stuff, okay. this star chamber... I think that they're getting ready, and I've seen other indications with this this um, personnel and equipment moving into the area around uh, Mar-a-Lago in that region, that yeah. they're getting ready to arrest Trump. And you if really they're going to do they that, are. that's going to be convinced that, Are you convinced that Trump will be arrested? I am, personally, yes. Okay. I think that that's, that's what's uh, in the mix, yeah. Okay. And, and I this... think when they do that, what they're going to do is they're going to have this grand theater. Now, you know, even there, there's the question, when would they do that? Would they would they do the rest um, a, uh, uh, you know, they could do it as soon as, you know, uh, tomorrow, the first. They probably wouldn't. Would they do it on the third? That's possible. Uh, and they're ready to go, possibly. When would be the next date? that would be maybe even a drop dead date. Well, Congress ends its session on the House of Representatives side on the 16th. So would they wait till the last second there or the 15th to do some theater, extend the session? Uh, the Senate goes through the 21st, which is the uh, shortest day of the year, the longest night. Uh, uh, that night of the 21st going into the 22nd, that's the winter solstice. Okay. So would they somehow extend the session into the Senate's side during some kind of a criminal trial of Trump related to January 6th, that's possible. You know, the insurrection, the whole schmear, uh, you know, uh, God knows. Yeah. Uh, literally. Do you, uh, my, my final question, because we're about out of time, but what, 
do you sense that, how do I even ask this question, that Trump not only knows it's coming, but but is going to embrace this for where, where it will take us? What What are your thoughts about how he's going to respond to a potential arrest or, or what he's expecting? Well, I think himself? he's been very clear that he's anticipating that he's going to get arrested. Uh, Trump believes that he's going to be arrested. He's articulated that numerous times. Okay. And, uh, in part to prepare even his own family for that, let alone the country that they want to arrest him. And, and that's what's, uh, that's what's going on here. So I think um, uh, he believes he's going to get arrested. Even some of the things that they did to Mar-a-Lago, which they're repairing the, the uh, perimeter wall and all that. But in reality, they removed all of the obstacles uh, that, so you can see to Mar-a-Lago, let the whole world see the spectacle of what's going on there. Um, I believe he believes that, that uh, you know, that arrest is likely, perhaps even imminent. And wow. the only question would be the timing of that. And then when they do arrest him, most likely they'll muzzle him. They'll... You know, he'll be under some kind of house arrest. He'll only be able to talk to his attorneys. Would they let him go back to Mar-a-Lago under house arrest? Uh, possible. Would they take him to Camp David, say, or even, you know, Gitmo? Uh, Are you kidding? Uh, I sure hope not. I, I think that they're, they're capable of anything at this point in time, and he believes they're capable of anything in this spectacle that they want uh, for the country. And in part, if they're anticipating what the court may do, they may want to strike first, thinking that they're going to get the citizenry engaged on their side. Because at the end of the day, what we're really talking about, do we have civil unrest or do we have civil war? Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to comprehend what this might look like. And that, that's why he didn't even sign the Insurrection Act back at December 18th. When all of his friends, I call them Job's advisors, were there with them, Patrick yeah. Byrne and the Flynn's and uh, Rudy Giuliani, Powell, everybody else. He initially said, OK, we'll look at that to do it, but then uh, revoked that and revoked the pass for Sidney Powell the next day to come in. So at the end of the day, uh, decided not to go with the Insurrection Act. He, he counseled with generals overnight, and that's part of the January 6th committee um, testimony uh, that's happened in the last couple months. Uh, the general said it's going to lead to civil war. We can't do this. So yeah. he didn't sign the Insurrection Act. But the question is now, if they arrest Trump, you saw the reaction after Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. And then it, what's the court's defense? The, the Supreme Court's defense is if Congress goes overboard, they are holding this situation. It's now held by the Supreme Court in a manner, even though it's not on the docket officially, they can act in minutes to hours. So if they fact, arrested Trump and the, and the Supreme Court knew this had gone too far, an hour later they could release, release a decision that the election's overturned. Yes, or they could wait. You know, my guess is the court will wait to act the entire time. They may wait till the end of the session. Look, if they waited until after the regular session ends on the 21st and everybody goes home, then all they do is they, you know, find that these people are unfit to hold office. Uh, they don't get to return. They can never hold office again. And they're out. The 388 are out. But the other side of the coin is this. Let's say that they act any time before that. Uh, literally at the point that they decide that they're not fit to hold office and they are out and the Supreme Court makes that decision, 
these people get escorted off the property. Here's your cardboard box, load up your pencils and erasers, uh, empty your drawers out. Uh, uh, all of their Gee. staff are escorted out. And how Gee. many people would leave? Twelve to 15,000. Really? Really? People, because all of those uh, 388 people have staffs. Yeah, and they would all okay? go home. They'd wow. all be escorted off the property and go home. Uh, and they wouldn't have a job anymore. Uh, all of the lobbyists and all of the law firms that feed off of those people in in Congress uh, doing all these things, uh, even this current administration, you literally have an exodus from Washington over the following weeks and months. Arguably, thirty to a hundred thousand people would be out of work in the region. It's wow. it's a bizarre. It'd be lot, the heavens would be cleaner and clearer over DC, wouldn't it? <laughs> <That> <laughs> It'd be yeah. pretty wild. Sure but think about be. that. You know, Nancy's out there. She doesn't get to take uh, the uh, Air Force jet home. Her yeah. order staff. She's or out Nancy. there looking for an Uber holding her cardboard oh, box. Oh, that'd be awesome. Okay. Hey, uh, one, um, thank you for coming on. Tell people what they can get at the jennifermack.com website because I know uh, that's your fiance. She's, I bought, she's got a mug that I bought. Uh, actually, I got both of them. She, I got a mug with that bowl thing on it and I bought mm -hmm. one that says pray that she did. I bought it. She's got some, some nice sweatshirts that say that too, pray. So uh, talk about anything else she has there. Well, she's got some of the uh, canvas prints and all that, and uh, uh, there's actually something special on its way to you also, by the way. We appreciate that. But the jacket, I'm telling you, I love my jacket. Oh, I wow. Time. It's just beautiful. I, I get people comments. I think it's going to be a statement after what happens happens. People are going to get just a huge kick out of having them, and they take about, you know, uh, 15, 20, 30 days to get to you. So, you know, wow. you have okay. one, when the, when the critical moments come, you got to order it right away. Oh, that, oh that'd be very awesome. Fun. Yeah. I, I've had that's a right. lot of fun with that. And then the books and, and other stuff, you know, the kid by side road and all that. So that's, that's, that's available over there. At, at well, I'm very, very grateful for you coming on and explaining this. I know I, we, uh, we have a long story, but it's, it's worth every minute of it because you get the whole uh, process in, right up to the moment. And with those uh, judges being able to act literally any minute, if they so choose, that's a fascinating time to be. And I would just call people to be sure if, you know, we don't know for sure if president uh, Trump is going to be arrested, but he certainly deserves more and more and more prayer coverage, you know, cause we want him kept safe and, and uh, treated with dignity be a traumatic moment, that. even for the family. I don't care, you know, where you're coming from. This yeah. is uh, this is a tough moment. The one thing I will say, you know, I'm, I'm going to be out there at Mar-a-Lago tomorrow. Uh, Ted Nugent's getting an award. Uh, oh, awesome. And then uh, we're flying over to, he's doing a hurricane concert uh, over in Naples. And so we're, we're leaving straight from Mar-a-Lago going over to Naples. And then I'll be back out there. Uh, there's a Moms for America event on Sunday I'll be at. And I actually have Loy Brunson, one of the plaintiffs in this case, joining me. And we'll be doing some private meetings there in uh, wow. uh, the area there at Palm Beach. So a lot happening the next several weeks are going to be very epic, I believe. Um, even if it doesn't look like that on the front, just know behind the scenes, this is as epic a moment as ever happened in American Jeez. history. Unbelievable what's going on. That's amazing. Well, thanks so much for this uh, really complete report. I appreciate that very much. Uh, you will all be watching this on Friday, which means Monday is Johnny Enno Unfiltered. We do, you don't want to miss that. Obviously, one of the most popular shows of the week.
We appreciate it. Thanks again, Juan. Uh, give our regards to Jennifer, too. I haven't met her yet, but one day I will. And, uh, that'll be fun to do this. Thanks Let me know so what much. you think of your package when it gets there. You'll have a lot I, of fun. I sure will. I sure will. Thank you so much. Everybody, you all have a great day, and we will see you all Monday now that you're watching this on Friday. God bless everyone. See you later. This has been Elijah Streams. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can listen to the Elijah Streams podcast at ElijahStreams.com on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Join us live every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific time at ElijahStreams.com on Rumble and Facebook. Elijah Streams is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahStreams.com slash give to become a partner today.